This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Yes, it is. Purple Daily on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com and streaming live on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. We made it real easy for you to follow us on all those platforms at SKOR North. If you want to chime in on the show, 651-646-8255, or you can tweet us at Score North. Coming up on the show this afternoon, Matthew Collar is going to jump in at about 1240 because uh, he was telling me wacky Viking stories. Just hanging out in the host lounge before the show, and Manny and I stopped him. We were like, "Wait, just hang on to this. This is this is a segment. This is at least at twelve forty. One second. That's not nearly yes, enough. Twelve forty. Oh, if, if we're gonna do wacky Viking stories, we, we well, probably I mean, should start it at eleven thirty. We don't and have then to go until one. We don't have to do it all today. We can make this a, just a regular oh. segment on Purple Daily, where You've Matthew all- fills me in on the wacky history of your Minnesota Vikings. And this is just going to be stuff since. Collar's been here. Like, Collar's only been here since 2016. Judd, you could go back like a decade and a half. Oh, yeah. Stuff. I mean, starting in 1990 or so. <laughs> 80s? Well, wait, wait. When when was Millard at the Hardys? Was that 89, 90-ish? Uh, you would know better I was about to ask, 90s? what do you mean by Millard at the Hardys? But hang on to it, because this is a segment <laughs> now. Let's just, where- let's just say there was a drive through involved. <laughs> A car that hits something and a guy running back to the dormitory in Mankato. That's a great tease. Coming up at 1240, Judd will explain the rest of that. For those of you who, like me, don't know that story. And at 1220, we'll discuss just how good Anthony Barr needs to be with that new contract that he signed. But, uh, Judd, do you have a hangover from football free agency frenzy bonanza? Did you wake up a little loopy on Saturday and Sunday still trying to shake off? All the madness that was the NFL free agency period. From a league standpoint, yes. From from a Viking standpoint, not at all. Yeah, I'm sober as can be. <laughs> now, now to be fair, am I perplexed? Absolutely. Am I confused? Yes. Do I understand what's going on here? No. But uh, th- there is definitely not that uh, sugar high that you got a year ago when, of course, they signed Kirk. Here's Cousins. what I'd like you, Judd, and you at 651-646-8255 or tweeting us at Score North to do. I'd like you to grade what the Vikings have done in free agency, and it's not over yet. You still have more free agents out there, and there could be more moves to come. But grade what the Vikings have done in free agency, but grade it on the curve of the cap space that they had and what was actually available out there for them to try and improve themselves on the free agent market. Grade what the Vikings have done in free agency with those two things on the curve, 651-646-8255, or tweet us at Score North and get in on Purple Daily. Judd, what grade would you give the Vikings, given those considerations? If I had to give a grade right now, I would give them a C-. Now, in fairness, if you allowed me this, I would give them an incomplete because free agency's not done yet. And for teams that often don't have lots of room, 
this, as you know, is an evolving process that will go for a few more weeks at least. Mm-hmm. So, so I think the fairest grade that I could possibly give them would be an incomplete. But if you told me right now I had to grade it, I would give it a C- minus based on this. I don't understand from a cap standpoint what they're doing. They've got to create more room. They don't have room. Bringing, uh, there are some people with that team that I'm sure are thrilled that, that Anthony Barr is back. And Anthony Barr, if used properly, could be a very good player. But the moment he came back, bringing Griffin back became darn near impossible, and yet they did it. And and so I'm not even I'm not even broaching the subject of they should have signed this guy or that guy. I am going after this from the standpoint of how are you going to create cap room? And in fairness, as of right now, you still have not addressed what what was your greatest need and weakness. O line. Nick Easton is now gone. He he took the Saints offer last night and signed. And so I'm not even going to give you a list of names and say, because, and, and there are a lot of guys who went in that first wave who probably A, got paid too much, and B, that the Vikings simply could not have been in on even if they wanted. But just as far as a strategic standpoint of what they're doing, I'm very confused. And, and you would have thought that they would have defensively drawn the line at some point. They did not. So I think it's very fair if I have to give them a grade. C minus bordering on a D plus. A C minus D plus for Judd for your Minnesota Vikings so far in free agency. How about you? Give us a call 651-646 or tweet us at SKOR North. Manny, is that fair? Is a C plus fair for the Vikings? C minus. C-. I'm sorry. So fair I'd, for the Vikings in free agency? I'd probably give them, you know, probably a solid C. I just, to piggyback off of Judd's, Judd's point, I, I'm just not sure. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they it I mean typically the Vikings have always had a plan going into free agency and and the off season and you know sometimes those plans might change if you know I mean obviously they went into 2016 with a big plan for you know Teddy Bridgewater was going to take that next step into being a legit starting quarterback in the league and then he got hurt and then the plans changed and they had to give up a first round pick up the last minute for Sam Bradford those things happen but this just doesn't with with the two moves that they've made in bringing back Barr and restructuring with Griffin. Both of those moves to me, and they might work out for them. We'll we'll you know we'll see. We'll find out in 2019. But they both just seem like really panic moves to me. Especially the especially the Everson Griffin thing. Like it just felt to me like they you know we we can't leave we we can't lose them we can't lose them we can't lose them we got to do whatever we can to keep them here and we you know we'll, we'll restructure and then they didn't it seems to me like they didn't really take how much cap space they had into account they just wanted to bring you know make sure that they kept the entire defense intact and I don't know. We'll see how it works, but I I just have my doubts that this is the right way for them to go. Well, Barr was gone. Barr was yeah. Barr was everybody accepted it, and and so right there it frees up quite a bit of room. And then he got cold feet, and instead of them saying, hold on a second here, this doesn't necessarily fit into the plans that that we had because we came to the conclusion, rightfully so, that he was going to walk. He then came back and said, I was throwing up last night and crying, and I'd like to come back. And I think Zim said, of course you can come back. (laughs) And now, as good as he might be, 
it throws a monkey wrench into the entire thing. But at that point, then the solution is Griffin can't come back, and he mm-hmm. did. And the one th- the one thing that I give this franchise credit for doing for a long time now is, is in free agency, it's always seemed like they had a very coherent plan and stuck to it. And I can tell you almost 1,000% that didn't happen this time because Barr elected to try to come back and they allowed it. And therefore, now you're sitting there with almost zero cap room, what, six mil approximately, Rami? And you're in a situation now where you have no choice. You've got to do something. Like, this is not a, all right, this isn't what we expected, but we'll stay in Pat now. You've got to have enough to sign your draft picks. You've got to go get some help. You've got to do something for the old line along the way as well. But what's the plan? Nobody knows. And the scary thing about this is, do the Vikings know? I don't know. See, and Manny says it was a, a panic move to go out and re-sign Barr the way that they feel, did that's or, or get Everson like. Griffin. Yeah. And you, Judd, say that, you know, Anthony Barr feeling physically ill because he was about to go and play for another team for the first time in his NFL career sort of landed him back in their laps. I'm not saying that there's there's not truth to what you guys are saying, but rather than terming it a panic move, I, I think it's... It's smart leadership that when new information presents itself or when circumstances change, that you change you change course. And I think what the Vikings were thinking last year was that with the signing of Kirk Cousins, our offense should take a certain amount of steps that any year from now, if we lose an Anthony Barr, we lose an Everson Griffin, that we should be able to make up for that. And also, we have a nice little lead on the rest of the division here. So I think that a year ago, you're right, Judd, that they were thinking... Yeah, we can let Anthony Barr walk in a year, and and then the division changed, and the offense didn't take the steps that they thought it would, so they changed course and decided to bring Anthony Barr back, and I don't really fault them for that. I would have asked Everson Griffin to take more of a pay cut than what they did. Um, I don't know if that was something that he was or wasn't willing to do if they broached that, if this was a number where they sort of met in the middle. We don't know how those negotiations went, but I think Everson Griffin, for the production that you got for him last year and being 31 years old, even the restructured $8 million price tag or something in that range is probably a little bit too much for Everson Griffin. So I agree with bringing back Anthony Barr. I don't necessarily agree with bringing back Everson Griffin at the price that they did. In, in giving out this grade, and again, doing it on the curve of A, the cap space that they had left, and B, what was available out there to make them better, and you can get in on the show, 651-646-8255, or tweet us at Score North. There are three aspects to grading a team and how they do in free agency. One is your own players, who you bring back. Two is players from the outside, who you bring in. And then three is how you handle the money that you have under the cap, and when it comes to the money, I'll start there, Judd. I can't agree with you more that they should have, and maybe they still are doing more to free up some money, but this is a process that should have started a long time ago to make sure that this money was there when free agency opened. Why Trey Waynes or Xavier Rhodes, one of those two, has not been traded to this point, point. it looks like it's probably Trey Waynes if they're going to trade anybody at this point. Why that hasn't happened I don't know, and maybe they're just waiting for the right offer. Maybe they have no interest in trading one of those two guys because, as you've pointed out often, it doesn't seem like Mike Zimmer really wants to part with any of his defensive players, especially his veteran defensive players. So, And also, I still don't understand, if they haven't approached Kyle Rudolph about a restructure, 
why they haven't approached Kyle Rudolph about a restructure because he's essentially said, I don't know why they haven't approached me about a restructure. And yet it still hasn't happened. So in in the area of freeing up money to work in free agency, I got to give him a D and it's a borderline F because I think that there are moves that can that can be made there to free up some cap space. But there space might be more to come. That they have not made. Right. That, that's that's the fair thing. Right. But we're only grading them to this point. Yeah. And so far, they've done very little, if anything, to f- what? They freed up $2 million in cap space I feel by like restructuring the, Griffin? I, I don't know this for sure, but it feels like the bar thing was a curveball that they took advantage of, but then they didn't know how, how to adjust to, to the pitch from there. So, you know, Barr comes back. Okay, he's going to come back. He's going to take less. Nobody's saying don't do that. But once that happens, don't you have to adjust? Don't you have to go to Kyle then and Griffin and tell uh, Griffin, sorry, but you're just gone. We're cutting you and go to Kyle and say you're going to restructure. And, And if Kyle is right, his theory is that they did go to Kyle and that Kyle said no. But it's at that point in time where you've got to tell Kyle, okay, Kyle, the answer is not no. The answer is we're going to do something or we will cut you and we will replace you because that cap hit and that available cash there is too much. And I would be banking on the fact that with Rudolph, if you went to him and said, all right, you want to play chicken, we'll play chicken. You love it here. You're ingrained here. You love playing here. You've made it very clear. It's your desire. You're going to play by our rules or not play here. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that game of chicken, if you're the Vikings, you win. Isn't it weird, though, that basically nothing has happened on that front? Like, we, we, and I don't even know at this point with Rudolph, I don't even know, like, what is going on there. Like, if they have approached him well, and he said no, he might have said no, yeah. Then that's, it's kind of an easy decision, right? No, not to them. No, no, no. I, I here, here's where it gets a little bit dicey because they brought <laughs> they brought this up last week, and I tend to believe them, and it's a problem. Um, it's good to have an organization that is tight. It's good to have an or- organization that takes care of its employees and players. So I am not advocating not doing that. Mm-hmm. But they brought up the family aspect last week. We're a family. We consider ourselves a family. We bring guys back. And I'm going to tell you guys in football, I've seen this done before. If you take it too far, it costs mm-hmm. you. You can't. This is this um, among all sports, all professional sports and college can be brutal. But football, professional football is probably the most cutthroat, mean spirited. I can't. There comes yeah. a point in time where I can't. I'll give you a job. All right. If you're Everson Griffin and you said and you say, I can't do this anymore and I can't. You want to scout for me? Here's a check. I'll give you a little bit to scout for me. But you cannot be, and this is what the Vikings did in 98, and it's why Brzezinski was hired here as basic and has done a great job. Yeah. In 98, if you guys recall, Manny, they rewarded a lot of guys for services rendered for great years that they had had. And they brought guys back. Mm-hmm. And that starts to bite you in the ass big time. Because guess what? In football, once you're done, you're done. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you can't pay guys a little bit. It doesn't mean you can't give them jobs. But if you're going to take this whole family thing, you know, Kyle's part of our family. We value Kyle. And you take that too far. And so you don't tell Kyle, it's Kyle, you're going to take this pay cut or you're cut. That is detrimental. And guys get old in, in football, especially guys get old very, very quickly. Right, but that's the point I mean, of why you, you it's go, so cutthroat. You go back to 2009, Judd, too, to your point. Look how old that team 
seemed to be the very next year yep. in 2010. I mean, so many of the this was a team that was on the doorstep of the Super Bowl the year before, and then the next year they were six and ten with pretty much the exact same roster bringing it back. Yep. And and that's why I think that that first week of free agency can be somewhat overrated because I think that you're to keep a roster young like like you guys are talking about right now. You need churn. You need turnover on a roster. Absolutely. And that's why draft and develop is usually yep. the best way to go. And the smartest teams will usually sit out well, that first week of free agency. And that's and that's why when he started, and now he lost his fastball badly, but when he started, that's why Ted Thompson was so good. Right. He churned yeah. and burned that, that thing. And, and he traded down a lot, but guess what? He traded down, got multiple picks, and made good picks. The there was There was a time there, and it was probably pretty brief, where Ted took the Ron Wolf page and was really good, but one thing he did not do then was he was not overly loyal to anyone on that roster. Right. And if you're good and you can do that, it works. But that leads me to my second point. I said you break it down into three fra- into three phases, at least I do when grading the Vikings and what they've done in free agency, and that's what was available out there to go and get. I don't know that even if they freed up all the money that they could have freed up, I don't know that there was a guy out there that they could either afford or that I would pay the amount of money that that guy ended up paying. When you see what some of these veteran O-linemen, and I think that's what most people are focusing on, got in free agency for the age that they're at. Roger Saffold was a guy that a lot of people were talking about. A, I don't know if they could have freed up enough money to sign a guy like that. And B, even if they did... I don't know if I'd pay that price for one of those guys. So right. as far as the people who were on the board and are now off the board with the Vikings sitting idly by, I am almost 100% okay with it to this point because, and this is from Matthew Collar's column at scorenorth.com, if you're looking at offensive line, I think there are still guys out there who can help you and who can improve this offensive line. And I'm just going to read right off the top of Collar's list, TJ Lang, who spent last year with the uh, Lions after a long stint with the Green Bay Packers. Ben Garland, who's the 16th-ranked offensive lineman, according to Pro Football Focus. I mean, Quentin Spain is a guy who's uh, 37th of 88 among guards on Pro Football Focus. Uh, These are guys who I think you can get at a bargain, and I think these are the type of signings that smart teams get in on and that, that actually puts you over the top because you get more dollar for dollar with guys like Absolutely. this than you do for the guys that were signed last week. But that that's my confusion. When are you going to free up the cash to sign right. a guy like that? Right. So, even now they don't have they don't right. really have that money. This is this is I'm in the midst of scratching my head and saying, What are they doing? I don't get it. I I am not saying they should have gone out and signed Saffold and paid him. No, no, no. I, I'm fine with not doing that. But where are, are they going? And keep in mind, guys, right now as we do this show, the only guard on this roster, Danny Isadora. He's the guard. He is the guard. Right now, if, if you had to open today, he'd be playing left and right guard. So this is this is where the confusion... Hard to play both. Well, you know what? <laughs> multi. You better be multi-skilled in 2019, damn it, or I don't want you... But this, this is this is where people need to be asking questions about what are you doing here and are you really going to go into the draft and think because here's the here's the the problem too Rick might be Rick is Rick is convinced that Rick is a great drafter and I think Rick has made some good picks mm-hmm. I think Rick has made some good picks he is not a terrible GM 
He's he's got some heat on him right now, probably deservedly so. But you know, if you're Rick and you're going to go into this draft, Rami, and you're going to think to yourself, "I'll solve I I'll solve our problems here." All right, you can't do it just through the draft. It's going to need to be you. You need to bring in guys, and right now you aren't even in a position to bring in guys. And my last phase of grading the, the the Vikings and their activity in free agency. Touched on this a little bit already, but the guys that you bring back, your own free agents that you bring back, I agree with the Anthony Barr signing, and actually I think they got him at a little bit of a bargain when you look at what the price was for him on the market. I would have tried to get Everson Griffin to take more of a pay cut than what they did. So I'll give him a B there. Overall, my grade for what the Vikings have done in free agency so far is a solid C, C minus when, when I factor in all three phases as I just laid out there. How would you grade what the Vikings have done in free agency so far, but on the curve of the money they had available to them and the players who were out there in free agency? 651-646-8255 or tweet us at SKOR North if you want to get in on Purple Daily every day, every weekday that is, at noon, right here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. It's Mackie and Judd <laughs> with Rami. We'll trade anyone who isn't folded down. How's that freestyle? Top my head. Off the dome. Well, give me another one. Charlie Coyle must be <laughs> traded by the deadline. Eric Stahl on his way to the Jets. That will be just fine. Mackie and Chud with Rami on Score North and scorenorth.com. Minnesota sports, this is home. Score North. Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. Daily. Oh, this is totally unfair to you, Ronnie. On 1500 and com. We're also streaming live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And uh, you can get in on the show at 651-646-8255 or tweet us at ScoreNorth as we ask how you would grade the Minnesota Vikings in free agency so far this offseason with, with the curve of the money they had available to them and the players that were available to them that could have made them better. And what Judd is referring to is uh, Phil Mackey is uh, working with a new camera angle for our live stream today, and it is doing me no favors at all, Judd Zelgad, is it? It's because your 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 girth is opened up, right? and so it's unfair. Yes. It's shooting right into your girth. That doesn't help, Phil. It doesn't help it's, at it's all. It's shooting right into like his girth. Like it was a little higher I'm up behind before. A, I'm behind a mic and, and, and a, a table, computer. so it looks like I got a fighting chance that I'm like 175 or so. I look pretty good today, <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're, you're being sold out here. Couldn't we put the camera like over there somewhere and at a very high... Oh, there we go. Perfect. Now. There <laughs> There we go. That's perfect. Thank it's, you, Phil. It's Rami after dark. <laughs> <laughs> He's blocked out now. It's Cinemax Rami. Oh, man. No amount of sucking in and sitting up straight is going to help me with this camera angle. But I digress, and we now get to your calls. Grade the Vikings in free agency on a curve, though, of how much money they had and who was actually out there. 651-646-8255 or tweet us at score north. Let's go down to Florida and check in with Ben. Ben, you're on Purple Daily. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, as far as the grade, like I'm kind of with Judd. I would kind of give him an incomplete only, and this this for incomplete. Um, 
you don't really know how guys are going to work out or how good the free agent planning really is until they actually actually play the game. But if I actually had to give them a grade, I'd, I'd give them a little bit higher than a C minus. I give them a, a C, which is not that much higher. Um, I will say on the Everson Griffin front, um, it seems kind of weird to me that they allowed him to stay when they signed Anthony Barr back because, you know, I, I kind of look at the Brian Robinson thing two or three, two or two or three years ago where, you know, they, they, they cut him in training camp when they realized that he couldn't play anymore. Everson Griffin, he might still be good, but, you know, you're taking a big risk of a guy on the wrong side of 30, allowing him, allowing him to stay on the roster when you could spend that money somewhere else. And, you know, Mike, I don't know how, I don't know if Mike Zimmer recognizes trends or anything, but the two times that, the two times they made the playoffs under him, they had efficient offenses. You know, you can look it up, um, 2015, and, you know, 2017, they weren't great offenses, but they were very efficient and they were good at the certain areas that you need to be good at. So if, if I was, if I was in his position, I would have done everything I can to make sure that the offense is good in those areas because they definitely weren't last year. And that's why they had, they only won eight games. So I don't know if Mike Zimmer realizes that, but you know, the years that they make the playoffs and one double digit went double digits, um, they had efficient offenses, so I would have focused more on the offense. And I hope they do that continuing going going forward because right now they look like an eight seven and one team on paper. Again, thanks for the call. Uh, the one thing I would say is, is that if you consider the years they've been successful, though, with Zim as head coach, the offense really hasn't been his problem, and, and especially in, in the 13-3 and three, uh, 2017. And so I would say the way he thinks of this is Kubiak and Stefanski got this. And I got my guys back. Right. See, this is this is where I think it gets really intriguing is I don't know that Zimmer sees this as... I'm responsible for the personnel on the offensive side of the ball. I think he says to himself, Rick signed this quarterback to a huge contract. It didn't work as well as we hoped or expected. And now Rick went and got Kubiak. And Kubiak and Stefanski are going to to be my new Pat Shermer, and that's going to solve my problems. I think Mike might be, and I do think that he's a good coach, all right? So I'll start by saying that. But I think Mike might be one of these parents that wants the other parent to take care of the bad kid and doesn't want to do a lot of work with the bad kid. So so the offense in this case, if it's run efficiently, almost is not his problem. And he wants to make sure that personnel-wise, he's got his pieces in place because his pride and joy and love is his defense. But when you say that this looks like an 8-7-1 and one team... Well, they're not going to tie again, okay? Let's start with that. Okay. No more ties. But no I, more ties. I will go on the field myself and kick the bleeping field goal so that they beat the Packers. I don't think you could. This sounds like a Judd Athlete challenge. No, you know for what? For another day at another time. I'd get hurt. <laughs> I will pay someone to go kick the field you goal. You saw ESPN Chicago trying to... Uh, yeah, no, I could not. No, I could not kick a field goal. Have but people anyway, kick field goals can. who thought they could do better than Cody Parkey? Cody Parkey. You can't. Um, but right. would you... Were you looking at this team last year and thinking this is an 8-7-1 and one football team? No, I think I said worst case. Well, I, I do think with Phil on the show, I said worst case they'll win nine games, but I thought it would be ten or so. Okay, well, it's essentially the same team. And I know that, the like you said, they have one guard on the roster right, right. now, but they're going to fill those roster spots, and the offensive I, line isn't going to be any worse than what it was last but year. It's going to be as good or better. So to to look at this roster and say it's an 8-7-1 and one team, 
If you weren't saying that last year, that's disingenuous. The only the only thing that I said last year that I didn't realize until I watched a full year of him is Cousins needs more help than I thought he would. That's fair. Now, now can coaching get him there? I'm a little bit skeptical. It can improve him. Can it get him there? I don't know. But a year ago, having never watched a full year of Cousins and having seen him on occasion and certainly looked at his stats, I thought you were getting more. And I can almost guarantee you the Vikings thought the same thing. Got a tweet here at SKOR North. This is from Doug. He says, the fact that everyone, fans to media, normally with different opinions, all agree, quote, what the hell are they doing, end quote, is a major concern. Not like Brzezinski forgot. All he does is think through scenarios. Great as an F. For Zimmer going for Zimmer forcing this well, Rob, and Rob is basically they go to Rob and say make it work. So this is not like Rob. Rob's not Rob is Rob talks to Rick and Mike, and Rick and Mike lay out their plans for what they would like to do, and Rob makes that work. Which is why the bar thing struck me as odd because ordinarily the bar thing would would be he'd be gone, he wouldn't come back, and, and now you've got that that room. It almost seems like bar came back and they're like, "Well, we can get him back. We can get and they did it, which okay, again, it's not the worst thing, but then that probably altered Rob's plan. And that's why I was surprised that somebody didn't go to Mike and say Griffin can't come back now, but Rob can make this work, but he's not he can't work miracles. And so there comes a point in time cap-wise where you're just done. You've got to get rid of somebody. Let's go to Phoenix and get in Scott. Scott, you're on Purple Daily. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, I would say I'm probably more in line with uh, Judd as far as C-D currently, and it may be incomplete, but I do think it's fair to talk about the money that they could have had as well. I mean, we're talking about what they have right now as a result of bringing Barr back, but that was a choice that they made. Uh, so I think it's fair to criticize them uh in that respect, if, if O-line is your goal. Um, I think every step along the way, and I think more now Rick and uh, Zim are kind of in a tug and pull, like probably Rick loves his golden domers, so he kept Rudolph and Griffin got to stay on a restructured deal. Um, and the big thing is, for all the time that they had all this cap space and they started with this plan of presenting all these um, all these core players, for them to get to this point where now they're basically in cap hell, uh, which every team gets to, I think when they got closer to that, they didn't really adjust their thinking to start making the hard decisions and sticking with that kind of <laughs> mentality. So that's one thing that I thought was, is something that is kind of Rick's Achilles heel, and he's really kind of put himself in a position where whether it's Zim's idea or his idea, it really made it that they need to really thread a needle now. They have to draft three offense linemen, or it's all, and they all have to play and play well, or they've got to sign bargain bin, and we've seen their track record of bargain bin offensive linemen. So that's what my thoughts. They might not have the greatest track record of bargain bin offensive linemen, but bargain bin offensive linemen have worked out just fine for other teams in the past they have uh the question becomes how how much can a can a zone scheme though fix fix them or perfect them and that's why that's why i am surprised that they didn't at least try and put some cash into one guy 
that they at least liked. Doesn't have to be a huge name guy. It doesn't have to be Saffold. But you would have thought that they'd, they'd say, and look, Easton's gone now too. And, and I know that there's a lot of folks saying, well, who cares? Nick Easton. Nick Easton in a pulling system actually is, is good. If, if he could come back from the neck problem and play, he could be effective. But he's gone now as well. And so, yes, I, I do agree. I think it's a mistake to be like, you need, you know, you need your offensive line to be all fantastic. That's not going to happen. It's not a realistic goal to have. But you could have gotten gone out if you had the cash and gotten one guard and said, okay, here's at least a guy that we know that, and this is not going to be saying much, that we know is better than Tom Compton, who had no business starting. And don't they, with this scheme too, they've got to find the right type of offensive linemen that are that Athletic. are good, that are good yeah. fits for this scheme. Like I mean, you can't. And Nick Easton, could. you know, when they went and got Alex Boone a couple of years ago, he would have been a terrible fit for what they're trying to do now because he's just he was a terrible fit for what they tried to do. To know <laughs> yeah, that. that was a terrible fit for the team then. I mean, so there are some bargain bin guys out there, but you've also got to make sure when you're bringing these guys in. Whoever they may be, if you bring them in for a cheap price, you got to make sure they're the right fit. Otherwise, it's they're not going to be any good for you anyway. Let's get in one more call, and this is going to be uh, Dave, who's in South Carolina. Now Dave is on Purple Daily. What's up, man? Hey, Rami. They could probably put you and I on the offensive line at this point. Maybe that'd be a better <laughs> op- better option. But um, and these are no I'm good. Go, I, I hate to go Switzerland on this, but I'm going to go with a C. Uh, I'm going to go incomplete. And look, Spielman, let's – Remember two things. This guy puts his shoes on before his pants on game day. So he's definitely got plans <laughs> D through Z. Uh, Brzezinski's got plans. They've obviously got something they're planning on. Um, as far as Rudolph goes, I think they're going to draft his replacement. They don't want to extend him. He doesn't want to give any money up. So they're always pretty good at getting rid of guys when they need to get rid of guys. And then lastly, uh, this may say y'all are probably going to laugh and hang up the phone, but where we're at right now with what's out of here on, in the free agent market and the way that we win games scoring 21 points or more uh, with Collar's whole thing about you know generating more points with Kubiak and maybe defense will be played better and then we give up less turnovers in offense from Cousins, my feeling is they did get surprised, like Jed said, with Barr. They got shocked by uh, Easton because the Saints had Unger retire um, and so all of a sudden they come into the picture. Here's where I, I would go at this point. I would take the money that I have. You may not get Cheryl's. You may have to go with the backup. You've already got a quarterback. And you go out and you sign Stephen Goskowski as the kicker. You make sure that you don't have to worry about that in the future. You win those close games. And then in the draft, instead of playing these games where he moves back and, and you know juggles picks, you're going to need to move up take that third rounder, get into the second round after that pick 50, and maybe even take another a trade wanes or get a, a trade a pick for next year and get four picks in about the first 70 to 75 picks, three of those being an offensive lineman and one being a tight end. And then you're just going to have to hit the undrafted free agents hard. And uh, hopefully they've got some guys that they like. And instead of drafting 10 guys, maybe you draft, you know, five this year and you go from there oh do you know who you're dealing with here you're dealing with rick spielman mr 10 you want to drop him to five? i agree he might quit i agree right with now. that jed i agree with I, that, I like jed. your his plan job's on the line though. his job's on the line he's got to make something happen and you're right he's really not given much to work with i love zim 
But I totally agree. I think Zim, um, you know, Zim needs, Zim, Zim needs to understand that you're right. The salve may not be just Kubiak. Do you now, get the, fe- gonna, right. do you get the yeah. feel? Do you get, so, so here, here's where I'm going right now. Do you get the feeling that, that because they picked up the option on, on Mike's contract and Rick is going into the last year of his contract, that it's almost like Rick is taking orders from Mike at this point? It seems like the GM coach structure right now is backwards. I agree, Jay. You know, and, and that's not the way his contract is set up. It's final decision on Spielman. Correct. But let's be honest. You know this as well as I do. I've talked to you years ago and used to follow the Vikes. That he, um, you know, right now, that's the way it's been for a while. He's been making the calls, and Spielman's been agreeing. I think now is where the rubber meets the road, and, and something's got to change. And I, I do agree that hopefully there's a plan in place. But I think that the only plan Spielman has at this point is to play draft wizard, pinball wizard, and get five or six picks in the first 100 or so, and then really those picks have to hit. And I agree. I think that's what has to happen. And I think anybody who thinks otherwise is crazy. Plus, you got to remember what you've got in the uh, – and the people are going to laugh, but there are guys they've developed. They like Storm Norton. They like Edison. Yeah. They, you know, they're, they're, they're are, they do have some depth there. But I don't think Easton was ever a guy I was going to bring back as a starter. Uh, Remmers should be a backup. You're right. Compton should be backups. Drive some young guys and take a chance, and maybe you get lucky like the Colts. Or, you know, maybe we end up like we are typical Vikings fans, right? We end up on the short end of the stick. But I have a feeling for some reason this year it's going to be different. I just, I just, I think it's going to work out, and I think that we're going to be okay. But how we get there is going to be fascinating. You know, I don't, I just don't know right now from this point forward. You know what I mean? But I agree with you. I think Zimmer's calling more of the shots. I think Rick's baby is the draft, and he's going to say, hey, look, buddy, uh, I'm taking an offensive lineman in the first pick and probably in the third pick, and I'll give you the second pick, and I'm getting a tight end somewhere in between. And I do think there's going to be a draft trade. And I do think we're going to get somebody maybe from another team we're going to acquire like we did with, you know, Jared. or so. We're going to acquire somebody we're going to have to if we can't make that stuff happen. Maybe that's why Wayne has not been traded yet. That's my feeling. Thanks for the call, Dave. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it was well thought out. Very, very well, well thought, thought out. out. And I like the idea of just getting, and I don't know how they do this with the salary cap being what it is, but through the draft, undrafted free agents, some of these second tier bargain bin free agents that we're talking about, as many bodies as you can into camp to figure out the offensive line and then let the chips fall where they may and the five best guys will, will rise to the top. The, the one thing he brought up, though, that I would be very curious about is would Rick do what he talked about in the draft? Because Rick loves having draft pick. Rick loves the sixth-round pick, seventh-round pick. Would he be willing to sacrifice those and make five picks? That's a big question. So so his Dave's philosophy and theories are interesting, and they might be sound, but it also calls on the GM doing something that he absolutely does not believe in, in doing. And this goes back to last draft. Mike Hughes, first round pick, right? Cornerback. And you're and listen, if you can get good corners, take them. But then we all said, okay, now you've got to come up to the start of the second round, which is going to cost you a lot here. You got to come up to the start of that second round when that run on guard starts and you've got to take one. And Rick said, Nope. And everyone said, Well, you know what? He would have had to give up to do that. And I said, I don't care. You've got a team that's on, in your mind, the verge of a Super Bowl berth or being close. You go up and get that guy, and he didn't do it. 
Matthew Collar, who will be on the air at 2 o'clock today, he was uh, sharing some crazy Viking stories with me before the show. And I thought, you know what? This is a segment. This is some. This is either going to be a trip down memory lane, or you're also going to learn something about your Minnesota Vikings. And I'm sure Judd will will chime in on these stories as well and have his own little flavor to add to it. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and ScoreNorth.com. Tell everyone that we met online. ScoreNorth.com. Join the twins for a free ballpark breakfast on opening day, Thursday, March 28th. From 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. along with 7th Street at Target Field. Single game tickets are for the home opener and all Twins games are available at TwinsBaseball.com. Purple Daily on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and uh, streaming live on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. We made it real easy for you to follow us on all those platforms. It's at SKOR North, and this is the only place where you can get Vikings and NFL talk five days a week right here on Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami along with Judd Manny on the other side of the glass, and now joining us in studio is Matthew Collar. You'll hear at 2 o'clock on Score North Live. How are you this afternoon, man? I'm well. How are you? Good. So uh, before the show today, we were sitting over in our, our host lounge over there, and you just started telling me wacky Viking stories and things that are somehow part of this team's lore, I guess you would say. And I stopped you and I said, you know what? This is probably a segment because this is either going to be a trip down memory lane for folks who remember these stories or people are going to learn a little something about their NFL franchise here in the Twin Cities. So just pick just pick a story and and let's go down memory lane with your Minnesota Vikings. Well, the best part is that I moved here at the very beginning of the 2016 season, right when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. And then what followed that was one of the craziest seasons of the past two decades for the Vikings. We did a show on what the craziest season was, and this made the top three or four 2016 seasons. And part of that was what happened in their collapse. So they went 5-0, and and then they fell apart. And the beginning of that collapse happened in Philadelphia. Before the game, it came out that Mike Zimmer had brought in a bunch of stuffed animals and then mutilated said stuffed animals in order to motivate his team with the message that fat cats get slaughtered. Bill Bill Parcells trick. Right. It was, it was was supposed to be a Parcells thing because Parcells had hung a bunch of rat traps or mouse traps and said like, Oh, trap game, right. For his team. Now then Zimmer disputed details of the mutilation of the stuffed animals claiming that he had never ripped their heads off, but rather just brought in stuffed animals and then given them to charity after. Now, this would have quickly disappeared and just been sort of a little (laughs) ha-ha type of thing, like, oh, that's weird, ripping heads off stuffed animals, that's normal. Uh, But Zimmer exacerbated the issue by holding a press conference in which he read headlines from the likes of Deadspin, the big lead, and things. So Zimmer was standing at the podium reading headlines. He He's thought like, this was going to make yeah, it better? He thought this was somehow no, going to make things better? No, no. He, he was trying to defend himself, which he does continually, which is, if you're a coach, a waste of your time. So he went up there and said things, you know, just like psychopath head coach rips heads off stuffed animals and they like just headline after headline. 
And it turned out that not only did he not motivate the team, but then after they had lost in Philadelphia, he called them soft and torched everybody in the postgame press conference, which began sort of a domino effect of a bunch of different things of Zimmer alienating the locker room, which was exacerbated by him saying that Anthony Barr had a tendency to coast. Now, the funny thing about that is that Zimmer that day had just had another eye procedure and was literally dripping goo from his eye that he was dabbing out with a Kleenex when he was answering these questions about Anthony Barr. Eventually, because of this, this starts the domino effect of the cornerbacks in week 16 deciding that they were not going to follow the game plan and do whatever they want. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. In Green Bay. In Green Bay. I know, I I remember that, but the first domino to fall in all this was... Stuffed animals. The stuffed animals? Well... Well, it, it it also though the the play he lost the players completely after after that Philadelphia loss by calling them soft. He he called the O line soft. Now soft is akin to saying you got no heart, right? right. So the players, so the fa- the fans took the f- fact that, that we thought that he had uh, taken these toys and basically ripped their heads off, and the fans were like, "What are you doing?" And then he called the players soft, and they're like, "Why did you call us soft?" And then all hell breaks Right, those. they were 5-0, and oh, and they lose one game, and then he calls them soft. Maybe it was because his stuffed animal motivation did not work. <laughs> but then the following week, we go to Chicago, and that's where Jordan Howard starts the game with a 70-yard run. They fall apart. They completely no-show against a terrible Bears team. And Norv Turner resigns after, and then Mike Zimmer has to have the eye procedure, which ultimately resulted in Zimmer missing a game against Dallas that they lost because Adam Thielen randomly decided to catch a punt that he shouldn't have caught. And because of a no call where someone hit Sam Bradford's mask on the two-point conversion attempt. Yep. Yes. Just a crazy connection of events that all starts with stuffed animals. this This is this franchise. And and in fact, here's the scary. Here's the scariest thing. Before you go on to the scariest thing, yeah. can I? This might sound crazy, but for everything everything else that's on Mike Zimmer's track record and resume, this story that you're telling me right here, right now, this alone, and even with his resume and track record in consideration, makes me question Mike Zimmer as a head coach <laughs> in the NFL and whether or not he should be. Well, I would say that that season we had a lot of the same questions okay. because. At the end of the year press conference, he was downright defiant about the way he had handled players. And it it was so blatant that he had mishandled the locker room to the point where they were turning on him in Green Bay. And then he tried to go back and paint over the Anthony Barr thing by praising his effort in Green Bay in the the game they were killed. And and then there was the no-show in Indianapolis. Now, Mm -hmm. this gets better, Rami, because... No, here. In or uh, yeah, against, a, against, against, against the Colts, yeah, yeah, against Indianapolis. Now, so Adrian Peterson was a big sort of thing hanging over. When would Adrian Peterson return? Would he come back? All that sort of stuff. They had no running game, so they wanted AP back. And Peterson went on a radio station on XM where he invests and told the DJ Ski, DJ Ski that yes. he was coming back, <laughs> as opposed to. Uh, as opposed to allowing his team to announce it or not announce it, he decided to go on his own radio station and make the announcement himself. And then he plays one game, they get destroyed. He no shows completely. I think maybe has five carries in the game for lost, three yards. Lost or yards on that first pass. Yeah. They threw him a pass. And uh 
And then Adrian shuts it down after that. Mike is he decided he wasn't going to play. Anymore. Mike's problem is very simple. He he's incredibly reactionary and incredibly sensitive. Bad combination. So like if he gets mad, he'll just say it, which is awesome for us, bad for him. But then if he gets ripped, he can't take it. And so he gets upset. And the worst part about it is, and he should tell his kids to stop it. He's got a daughter who gives him every headline. And God bless her. I don't know her. She might be the she might be the nicest person on the face of the earth, but she feeds him every headline. And so he knows everything be, being said. But the scariest thing about this franchise, I could say beyond a shadow of a doubt, Mike Zimmer has stabilized this franchise. Oh, yeah. It sure. used to be worse. Brian McKinney, the left tackle, once showed up at training camp, so fat and his cholesterol so high, they deemed him impossible to play and released him for that. Les Frazier had to, they had to let this guy go. They essentially said, we are afraid, they, they said quietly, we're afraid if he practices with that cholesterol, we might kill him and we're not going to have that on our watch. I also think the turnaround in 2017 from how he handled some of the disasters that happened then, starting with Kombucha Gate with uh, Michael Floyd <laughs> testing, was it either a negative or a positive test for or, alcohol? Or, yeah, a positive test for alcohol that he claimed was kombucha tea, which, you know, <laughs> right, sure. Uh, but starting with that, a, a number of things went wrong in the same way. Delvin Cook went down. Sam Bradford went down. We weren't sure if Bradford was coming back. Then there was the disastrous night in Chicago where Harrison Smith bailed their ass out by getting a late pick against Mitch Trubisky, but where they played Sam Bradford, and then they had to run out the trainer the next day to try and quell criticism for playing Sam Bradford. He couldn't all, walk. But all that's right, yeah. Basically should, he fell over on the clear, field. Like, very clear he shouldn't have been out there after the first drive. Hmm. But that was the start of Case Keenum and kind of the turning point. But it was also the turning point of Zimmer handling some of those things way better than he had before. Nobody got thrown under the bus. You know, he, he was a little more defiant toward the media, but less willing to hammer his players or staff in or retrospect, anything like that. In, in retrospect, I, I know why now, too. He had a head coach offense. Yeah, yep. Pat it, it was all on Pat. If Mike doesn't have to worry about special teams or offense, Mike is really good. And when he does, it gets it can turn. My other favorite, just as far as stories from that year goes, is the person hanging from the banner in Week 17. <laughs> but as they hung from the banner... Brian Murphy of the Pioneer Press called the person hanging from the banner and asked them to wave their arm around if it was really them. Somehow he found their number online and called them. And so they answered the phone while hanging from the banner and waved in their Brett Favre jersey toward the press box. And then. How did he get the number? I think it was just on their website. They put it out there. Yeah. Or or they put it out there. People were calling them. Yeah. Wow. So the best part of that was below this. So we're all focused on this person. And we don't even have any recollection of Matt Barkley catching a touchdown. Then on the same field, possibly the same end zone, the Philadelphia Eagles run Philly special to win the Super Bowl, essentially, or plays a big role. The same one, the same end zone. Same end zone. Yep. As they had thrown this pass to Matt Barkley, and Doug Peterson later admits that he stole the play from that game from the Chicago well, Bears. He watched. Yeah, we were all. I, I still, want, I still want to know how those guys, how those people snuck in all of I that know. climbing I know. gear, we never found equipment, out. That, that giant might, banner. That's one of the most frightening things in the history of sports in this town. Because God forbid, if you can sneak that much climbing equipment in, I know you can sneak a lot of things but in. Can you believe that we have two unsolved mysteries? The Norv and Zimmer unsolved mystery. Zim wants to tell and you. And how they got Zim in. wants to tell someone. I asked them again. You get you go down to the ranch in Kentucky. 
and get him full and get him full of wine. He'll tell you. You think Zim will write a book when he's done coaching? No. He'll, thre- he'll threaten to, but he won't. <laughs> this is all crazy. You know what else is crazy? That the uh, the roof over Target Field debate is still happening in my timeline. That Judge. was great on Saturday. And uh, I prodded you a little bit, and people just went should, after it. Should we bring this on the air? You want to stick around for Touch sure. Them All? All yeah, right. Why not? Derek Wetmore right. is going to jump in. Touch Them All is coming up next. Thanks to Matthew Collar. That's Judd Manny. I'm Rami. This is Purple Daily. We'll talk to you next time on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com.